1: Hello, listeners, and welcome back to the Missing and Unexplained podcast. I want to give a special shout out and thanks to those of you who have already subscribed to the Patreon. Specifically, I want to thank Jeff France, Kate Bond, Kathy Tarr, Debbie Hooper, thanks mom, Bill Curry, Donna WK, Sean Satin, Jeanette Reed, and the wonderful Molly Reed. Thank you, all of you, for your monthly support. For those of you who haven't stopped by the Patreon, head over there and check it out. You'll get early access to content as well as exclusive content for as little as $3 a month. You'll also have first access to the trailer for season two on the disappearance of Chris Fowler. The trailer's coming soon, so keep your ears peeled for that. Today, I have a dynamic duo on the show. They are Caitlin and Graham, the host of the True North True Crime podcast. True North True Crime is a podcast that brings awareness to missing persons and victims of violent crimes in Canada. I have to say, I was already a huge fan of them before this interview, and after getting to know these two wonderful hosts, I'm a super fan. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Caitlin and Graham. Thank you for coming on the show today. I really appreciate you taking the time to do this.
2: No problem. Thank you so much for having us.
1: Yeah, thanks a lot for having us. No, it's 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 really my pleasure. I've been a fan of True North True Crime um, since it came out, and so I want to start uh, right from the beginning. I mean, what was the inspiration behind starting this podcast? And uh, for those of those people out there who might not know, when did you start the podcast? Um, so we
0: started the podcast, I believe we put out our um, our trailer episode on May 31st, uh, 2020. Um, and the inspiration for the podcast, like, as uh, um, so uh, we are a couple, uh, and one of the things that we actually bonded on, over when we initially uh, met was that we both um, uh, consumed a lot of true crime. We both consumed a lot of podcasts of varying degrees, and it's something that we really bonded over. And it's, uh, it's something has become something we're both very passionate about. Um, and then we originally were thinking about launching a podcast in 2016 or 2017. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, we both got busy with life, etc. And then, um, but it was always burning in the back of our mind that we wanted to do this podcast. Um, and then the pandemic hit uh, in, you know, in March of 2020. Um, and we both work in the film industry and we both found ourselves, and uh, and in, in the performing arts. we both found ourselves without work, um, and lots of time on our hands. Uh, and I think us, like millions of other people across North America, started a podcast. And so that was sort of like the initial um, structuring of how it happened. Um, and the you know, but 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 we really sat down and had some very serious conversations about what we wanted the podcast to be, and we we knew in our hearts that we, we wanted to follow the mantra of do no harm that we or which is primum non nocera, which is from the Hippocratic oath. Like we didn't want to create more harm with our podcast um, by covering these stories, which to us meant that we needed to have values and ethics. And so we wanted to find a voice for the podcast that wasn't entertainment. Uh, you know, like some of the true crime stuff out there, we wanted to make sure that we were telling people's stories in a compassionate and empathetic and caring way.
2: Yeah. I think I'm, I feel the exact same way. I think um, going into it, we had a lot of the same taste in podcasts. We really like Case File because there's no—can I swear there's no bullshit? He just tells a story. Um, there's no bullshit with Case File. He just tells a story. There's no extra his, you know, point of view. And and we try. I mean, like I know people like to hear opinions of podcasters on occasion. For me, I don't mind if it's peppered in here and there, but I don't need you go on t- on a tangent for 20 minutes of the podcast. So there has been this kind of balance with let's just tell a story here and there if we absolutely have to say something or we absolutely feel the the need to say something, we'll we'll do so. Um but like Case File Generation Y, mm-hmm. um were really big inspirations for us, Unresolved, The Vanished, Canadian True Crime. Yep. yep. All of them they were big inspirations for us. We love the way that they tell stories and they cover this this genre that can be so um difficult to talk about and we've kind of as a society i think become almost desensitized to these stories and we don't think about it as these are real people who Mm -hmm. have dealt with horrific violence in their lives and it's almost like ooh, i want to hear my scary story with Mm -hmm. and it's almost like fictionalized to some people and we wanted to really steer away from that and
1: humanize people exactly yeah And you've you've done a excellent job of that. I I knew from the first few episodes I listened to of your show that um, you were doing exactly what I wanted to do with The Missing Mm -hmm. and Unexplained was uh, I wanted to first and foremost bring these cases, um, you know, to the forefront so that people could be aware of them, but also humanize these people because I think a lot of the time in these other shows and programs, they get turned into sensationalism or a statistic or something that is, is not as tangible as an actual person. Um, exactly. which, which is, is, you know, especially with missing persons, I, I find is, is, um, is very difficult. And I can't imagine being a family member or friend um, listening Mm -hmm. to a show and having, you know, your loved one talked about like that. So one of the things that you, your show um, has been really praised for is how compassionate you are in your approach. Um, And, you know, you kind of already answered my question about how cognizant were you of this when you started, but was there a debate between you two or maybe internally about, you know, obviously we want the podcast to do well, but we want Mm -hmm. to stick to our mandate. Like, was there ever, um, any thoughts about are we going to have to sacrifice our content for entertainment value or anything like that?
2: No, I, I, I think a lot of people actually do want these stories to be told this way. I think for like if I'm listening to a podcast and there's laughing or, you know, shitting on a person for having maybe
0: addiction issues or mental health exactly, issues or, yeah.
2: and that kind of stuff. I I will, I'll turn off a podcast. I don't need to sit there and, you know, hear you talk about somebody in that, in that way. And I think that there are a lot of people who want these stories to be told in a compassionate way. And so they can actually connect with the person and maybe feel the pain that they were going through at the time where something bad happened to them. Um, I don't think it was ever really... A conversation. I mean, of course, I would love to be able to be more more crass and out, outgoing. I'm I'm, I'm, a, I'm a very outgoing person. And I have to be very subdued on the podcast. But I think if I wanted to be more big and person you know personal on my podcast, don't cover true crime. Yeah, like my my background
0: is is comedy. I did comedy for 20 years, and when people in the comedy community uh, or people who've known me for years find out that this is my podcast and they listen to it, they're like, this isn't funny at all. And I'm like, yeah, no, it's not at all because I'm, I'm a multifaceted person with, with many different angles to how I approach life. And this is stuff that I take very seriously. Um, But one, one thing I will say is the thing we have sacrificed um, by, I believe by covering the cases, the way that we do is that we, we don't name any of our episodes after people who committed crimes. Mm -hmm. So, but the thing is, in the broad landscape of landscape of landscape of media, um, people will know Robert Picton or Clifford Olson, but they will not know the people who were victims. And so we will get requests like, hey, please do this serial killer case. And my whole angle is how do I cover that case victim centered when the majority of those of the 58 people that uh, Robert Picton was um, uh, alleged to have killed? Their names aren't widely known, but his is. And so here's the thing is because our podcasts are named after missing people or people who are victims of crime, i I would guarantee we don't get as many downloads as, as if we had done an episode called Robert Picton. If we did a six episode, uh, six part episode on Robert Picton called it Robert Picton. I bet you we get tons of downloads on it, like more than we do with the podcast right now. But that's one of those things that we're willing to sacrifice is to not glorify a murderer, um, but rather
1: to humanize victim. That's that's incredible. I mean, that's so well said. And that's exactly how I feel. Like I approach this podcast with zero expectations other than that, um, you know, mm-hmm. I really wanted to um dabble with missing persons narrative in a really respectful, humanizing way. And if it got a hundred downloads or a thousand, it didn't matter. It was like I wanna do this right and I wanna do it my way. And you know, I think you have to like you, you have you have to, at the beginning, establish, like, hey, we're not going to compromise, you know, our core beliefs and mandate for this podcast, you know, because of what might get more clicks or downloads. And um, I yeah. love that you're not willing to put those names out there because let's be honest, too, like a lot of those, the Robert Picktons and, and all the other, you know, notoriety of other serial killers, like everyone kind of knows who they are anyway. So to me, it's yeah. more important to... um you know, bring these missing persons or these victims forward uh, and put them at the forefront of the podcast. And I'm even struggling with now, like, you know, my first series was Ryan Stuka. And I mean, that's not a, mm-hmm. that's not a niche case. Like that's really popular, especially here in yeah. BC. So with this second season, I think I'm doing something that's maybe a little less known in the media. And I'd like to continue that trend because, um, you know, those are the people that need that need us right those are the ones that need us to come forward and to do a series and to talk about them and um with your format you get to cover so many um cases at once and i'm wondering like when you're thinking about covering your next case like how much thought are you putting in how you're choosing it like is it based on you know how popular it is is it based on geography like how do you go about that selection process
2: yeah so um we, could, we actually literally both of us have in our notes on our phones a list of cases that we're like hey we'd like to get to these eventually for me I'd really love to cover Bruce MacArthur who killed a bunch of men uh, gay men in the Toronto area but again it's really hard to do because he had six seven victims multiple so, victims, yeah. so how, how do you title that right because I don't want to use his name again they never deserve their name to be known so but going going from that is um, we try not to cover cases from the same provinces over and over again. I do, I know we do do a lot of BC, but that's, that's just because that's where we are. Um, but if we're doing a lot of BC, we might jump over to the East Coast or the prairies or even um, the territories. We try to jump around a lot so we make sure that all of the country is covered and they feel like we care. Um, but, you know, our next episode is actually going to be Trina Hunt, who... Um, you know, is the woman, woman from Port Moody who went missing and her remains were just um, identified. identified and announced that she was indeed a victim of homicide. And so, obviously, so the, we're yeah. Covering, this started
0: as a missing person. Like we already had this script, kind of ready to go as a tool to find a missing person, and now we've had to pivot. quickly change gears. Yeah,
2: yeah. But I mean, you know, I, I really want to quickly tell that story because obviously people are um, demanding answers, and they and they don't really know where to get good information and a, and a complete storyline. So I feel that's important to get out quickly. And then of course, because we're going to get updates, uh, you know, hopefully quickly with that case, uh, we'll do some TNTC shorts with updates on that case as well. Yeah. And so, so there's a few factors we look at. Um, like Kate just said, we do
0: look at the country as a whole. So, you know i don't want to, i know we do a lot of bc cases um but we also are trying to brand like to make sure that we're reaching across the country in different ways but then we also want to make sure that we are um we are providing good representation and diversity of the people that we cover because um you know and this is as a you know as a as a man um that what breaks my heart the most is that when i go through those bc court documents and and the supreme court documents throughout canada i canadians uh, writ large murder each other in, in the drug industry, or it is, um, men murdering their ex, their ex girlfriends, their ex wives, their wives, or their, or their children. And it's, and it's the amount of like uh, femicide that is occurring is absolutely heartbreaking. I, we could do an episode every single week that would just would be a woman who was murdered by a man. And so, um, and that's the truth. But I also want to make sure that we're covering a diversity of cases, like a diverse uh, portfolio of cases. Like we covered Tech Wang in, uh, in Edmonton, and yes. he was actually a victim of, uh, of domestic intimate partner violence from his wife. So I found that that, that was a unique case that we wanted to cover um, to help audiences to see uh, the diverse nature that is out there in missing persons and, uh, and violent crime cases, even though the lion's share um, seems to be these, uh, I think it's like 60% of of violent crimes or something like that, or towards women. So, um, you know, we're trying to diversify the stories that we tell. So that's the challenge. So across the country and then uh, across, um, different, um, socioeconomic backgrounds.
1: Yeah, and it's it's really interesting you brought that up, because that's something I am currently, um I wouldn't say struggling with, but I'm being really cognizant of, because my first season was about a white male. My second season is now going to be a white male. And there was no, I didn't do that on purpose. It was just kind of like, these were the two cases that I was already kind of working on and already doing interviews. And then I, you know, kind of had a moment not too long ago, where I was like, you know, this isn't really a good representation of all the types of people that go missing. And so, you know, having, you know, sometimes six months in between my series for my third season, I'm already thinking about, you know, those factors and, and, you know, maybe incorporating, um, you know, a wider theme about missing persons into that. So, uh, Mm -hmm. I'm really glad you said that because, uh, I mean, it's probably a little easier for a show like yours where you can do that on a weekly basis. But for me, it's like when I might only have two seasons a year, um, I'm really going to have to be careful going forward that, you know, I do, um, represent, all kind of demographics and, um, you know, parts of society, because, yeah, they, they all matter. And like you said, there are certain parts of society that are at greater risk um, to these violent crimes and to go missing. And, um, you know, that's something that I need to be more cognizant of going forward. But I think this is also a learning process. Like, I've found that I've learned a lot about just podcasting and and um, doing this type of reporting and research. And I'm wondering in terms of the missing persons cases you've covered do you find any unique challenges um, when you're like okay we're going to cover this case um this is how we're going to go about it like is is there a reoccurring challenge you're starting to see for yourself when it comes to you know covering these missing persons hello nerds come listen to the history nerds united podcast and let's make history fun again We interview today's best authors, whether they are established Pulitzer Prize winners or someone debuting their first book. Let us show you that history is not a boring class you took in high school, but a place where the best stories come from. And we don't just cover history. We also love to chat about true crime, biographies, memoirs, and so much more. So head on over to History Nerds United and let us introduce you to your new favorite book and learn the story behind the story. History.
2: Yeah, I just want to go back and say it's uh, don't feel bad that like both of your cases have happened to be white males. Like, I I don't I don't think that's necessarily an issue, especially because a lot of the times I don't think audiences always realize some of these cases find us like some of these families. Actually find us and reach out and then you feel absolutely compelled. You're like, of course, I will cover this case. I mean, what are you going to do? Turn away a family that is mourning. And I mean. All all stories, regardless of who it is that went missing or or unfortunately got murdered, they deserve to be told. Yeah. Um. So, I'll, I'll let Graham take your question that you just asked well I actually say, yeah no yeah.
1: I wanted to just say too like I I really appreciate that and, yeah. and it was funny one of the things well it's not funny but it was funny to me afterwards thinking about it because I was struggling with that and then for the Ryan case I talked to an RCMP officer was like well where she is in BC her district she's like most of the people that go missing are white males she's mm-hmm. like and yeah. she said by like an alarming number. It was like 70% or something like that. I mean, don't quote me on it. It's, it's in the episode that I I did about it, but, but to me that was like, okay, well that, you know, that provides some context for this case. And so after I, you know, cover, um, you know, Chris Fowler, um, uh, you know, that's, like I said, my third season, I, I am going to be more cognizant and move on. But, um, Mm -hmm. but yeah, no, I appreciate you saying that because it was definitely more of like, oh, these people reached out to me or, you know, these stories found me and I just felt compelled to tell them.
2: Totally. It happens a lot. People reach out all the time. And I mean, you kind of got to say, all right, I had this in mind, but we're going to go this way now. So, yeah, like when
0: when Chelsea Poorman went missing uh, in Vancouver, um, we we shuffled um, episodes around to make sure we got that episode out as fast as possible. Like sometimes we will just literally put a pin in or shelf an episode when there's an urgent case coming up. And, uh, you know, Chelsea went missing on Labor Day weekend in 2020. But really the the amount of media attention she uh, began to get wasn't until January Mm -hmm. uh, of of 2021 Um, and we reached out to Sheila, her mother, and said, hey, can we help you out? Like, do you mind if we put together an episode? And then I was able to put that episode together in five days. Um, Wow. Recorded and out because I just sent her a questionnaire. I didn't even do a phone interview. I just said, you know, if you want to answer these questions, we can get a story and I'll do I'll do my own due diligence on background research and then uh, we'll put something together. And we managed to get that one out very quickly. Um, So like always willing to be to pivot um, when something else arises like this week with with, uh, you know, we were out for a hike uh, last week when when our phones went off and we found out that, you know, Trina Hunt uh, Mm -hmm. had been uh, identified And, uh, you know, we, we immediately just stopped and we're like, you know, do we still cover this case, you know?
1: So I guess going back to the uh, my question that kind of got um, completely uh, overridden by our talk about uh, picking <laughs> cases, um, but I guess that's kind of got to be a challenge. Then is like prioritizing what you need to put out based on urgency, timeliness. Like, is that something that you're constantly struggling with? I don't. I mean, maybe struggling is not right. The word but balancing um, as you as you release these episodes every week or every two weeks.
0: It is is prioritizing, but also. Um you know, access to families, uh, mm-hmm. you know, we, that's, I mean, I've talked to other podcasters about this. It's, it's the heart, the hardest thing, the two hardest things that we ever do are press send on an email or a message to a family member or a family spokesperson. And then the other hardest thing we ever do is press upload on an episode, um, because we are reaching out to people who are currently in trauma. Um, and, uh, I can't, I don't know what the reaction is going to be. And, you know, we're sensitive people as well. And, uh, you know, we don't want to be seen as entertainers uh, who are, you know, uh, vultures on your tragedy. We legitimately think that we can help. Um, And so when but, you know, I can word it a million different ways in that body of that email. But as soon as I press send, I don't know what that person is going to think on the other side. And so that person is either going to they're going to respond and say no, they're not going to respond at all. (laughs) <laughs> or they're going to say yes, um, and I just have to hold my breath and think, okay, here we go. And then maybe like a week or two will go by, haven't heard from the person. I got, I'm moving on. You know, I had, I had one I posted in a missing persons group um, uh, uh, that I knew that the family was getting a lot of media attention, and they were. Um, you know, cause I look at them on social media and I, and I see how their behaviors are if they're amenable to media. And so then I, I, I posted in their missing person group and the, the mother of the missing person deleted my post. Like, and I, oh, wow. I just yeah, so, and then it's, you know, immediately I, I have to like, I get hurt, but yeah. I don't, I can't personalize it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's hard not to, because, you know, we're, you know, at this juncture right now, we're we're doing okay with the podcast but we're not we're not cbc right yeah. you know right. like it's different when david ridgen knocks on your front door and he's like hey it's me from david ridgen from uh someone knows so, something someone knows something people are going to be like come on in and have some craft dinner but like when it's us it's like hey we're a true nor true crime and they're like what so Who? you know we're kind of you know it's just like we're you know having said that though um you know we've worked with you know uh jordan hollings family marshall awas's family Shel- uh, 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 Chelsea, Dane, Chelsea Dane, Stanway. Platt, Dane stanway's yeah. mom dana like i mean heartbreaking um but um kind people who knew that our heart was in the right place and trusted us and oh man like i uh, uh, just recently um Shailene mcallister like it's
1: just uh that was a heartbreaking episode yeah, it's yeah. hard and
2: it, it, we were like, you know, there's there's no information there, no. which is devastating. Um, mm-hmm. and but we but we still ha- we were like, we're making a full episode of this and sh- like this story completely needs to be told. So, yeah.
0: you know, you look at that one and You know, you look at some missing persons groups and you see, you know, fifty thousand dollar GoFundmes and twenty thousand people in their missing Facebook group. And then you look at a case like that one and you have seven hundred people in a small town in a Facebook group doing the best they can to try and find someone. Mm -hmm. And you know, the cavalry is not coming. There's not a. There's no fifty thousand dollar GoFundme. Right. Um, And so it's like. How do I get, how do I, how do I do right by this family and help them in this very challenging situation? Or even with, with Dane Stanway's story, Dane Stanway was, um, he he struggled with substance misuse. He was a gangster. He did, he did, you know, he did a couple two years in prison for an assault. Like he's not, um, by, um, you know, the, the general standard, a likable character or protagonist because of some of his behaviors. Right. But it's like, but he's still missing. And his mom needs answers. So, um, I can't even remember what the question was.
1: No, that's, (laughs) there's so much I wanted to unpack there that you just, that you just said. Um, because I think, I think that's something that, uh, I don't want to say I've struggled with it, but I'm definitely cognizant of where it's, you know, not, I don't want to judge anyone based on their lifestyle or their choices. Um, you know, if you're missing, you're missing. And I think, uh no matter you know what you've done or where you come from, like you know y- you have a right to have exposure for for your family to find peace and to find you, right? Like I think uh, I-, I try and not you know look at it as like, well, this person's a better person, so you know they deserve to come on the show. Like I- I'm really trying to look at it in a lens like, well, if you're missing, you're missing, and what can I do to help? And that's how I always approach people I want to interview. It's like, listen, my my prerogative is to create a show, really humanize it, do a good job, and to do that I need to talk to family and friends and people like yourself you know to do that properly and of course like I won't cover a case if you know the mother isn't interested you know what I mean like if yeah. if there's one key person that's like no I don't want then it's like okay like walk away um you know in my, this last series I had a couple people who um, were happy that I was doing the series but didn't want to come on you know to talk about it and you know I tried really hard to get them on because I thought they would be great and you know really kind of humanized Chris but you know they decided that it was too emotional or, or whatever they couldn't do it and you know i was totally fine with that i'm like you know what thanks for even just considering it um so i, I try and approach it um you know kind of like you like you said like i'm not judging i'm just here to try and tell your loved one's story as best as i can as accurately as i can and you know the more you can tell me the better because that's only going to help um the narrative and the story so um totally. Yeah, I think it's 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 a fine balance, right? Um, but yeah, I don't remember what the question was either. So um, <laughs> we, can, we can we can we answered on. it in like a really
2: roundabout way. I think no?
1: I think so. Yeah, I think we were talking <laughs> about the challenges, and I think like you know yeah. we you highlighted a lot of them. Um, you know, because it is there are so many challenges when it comes to covering, um, you know, and I keep saying missing persons. I know you, you cover, um, you know, crimes as well, but for me it's, it's, it's right now, it's been mostly missing persons. So Mm -hmm. that's been the focus. Um, I'm wondering since starting the podcast, um, you know, what's been the most rewarding aspect of, you know, starting true North true crime.
2: Um, I think for me is just the absolute joy of being able to build an audience, no matter how big or small, um, engaging with people from actually all over the world. I thought it was just going to be Canadians, but people from all over the world are tuning in, which is amazing. I, When we started this, I was like, we're going to get 50 listeners. Yeah, like, that's what I, I thought too. no <laughs> expectations. Yeah. Yeah. No yeah. expectations. So the yeah. fact that we have been able to be downloaded 200,000 times is just like, it still blows my mind.
1: That's amazing um, by the way. Congratulations. Like that's, yeah. that's huge and so well-deserved. Yeah.
2: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you but then, then I read a tweet
0: from Marissa the other day where she said she's at 80 million. I, so I
1: saw that too. I was like, Oh, <laughs> 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 was like,
0: we sit, we sit, we still had a nice meal that night and celebrated quietly <laughs> together. Our 200,000 downloads. But yeah. You know.
2: Yeah. But I think for me, it's just being able to connect with, with like-minded people. And, um, also those people go on to, Share the the people that we cover stories and just you know just build like a, a nice compassionate audience for me is, is incredibly rewarding. What about you? Yeah, I
0: think that that's that's a great aspect too, Kate. Is that that um you know you 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 when I when I worked in live performance, you you trained an audience what when uh you trained an audience if you're a good performer you they know when to laugh uh they know when to cry that kind of thing and i'm not saying we trained our audience but we did make sure that off of the top every single episode we explain we are not coming from a place of judgment this is what we do like and it's a carp like we've had people reach out to us and be like you guys are too lefty uh you guys should be more like uh uh, Sword and Scale, and uh,
1: well, go listen to Sword and Scale
0: then. That's kind of what we said. We yeah. Said, hey, thanks for reaching out, um, and also like we have no political bias in our episodes at all, like ever. And so like you know we're just using person-centered language. That's it. You know, like we're just trying to approach these stories with compassion. So um, the the rewarding thing has been that because we kept on putting out those lures. The lures of kindness, the lures of understanding, that kind of thing. I feel like that's who we started bringing into our podcast as listeners, and that's um, and at the same time, people who were not interested in that—they want to hear um, two people laughing uh, through these stories or whatever, they go find that podcast and that's okay too. You know, we can't please everybody, but it has been rewarding to see, um, through reviews and comments and stuff like that. And we have gotten negative stuff, but you know, we, we see the reviews and the comments and we see the positive feedback and people are like getting us they get what we're trying to do. And then the other thing, um, is I will, You know, quietly creep through uh, uh, people's Facebook profiles. And I will see um, conversations um, from loved ones saying that um, they really appreciated what we did with the episode or um, that tears fell when they listened to the episode we created. When we did our episode on Ben Tyner, we did not reach out to the family. It was, we tried, it didn't work out, but Mm. we wanted to go ahead with the episode anyway. We weren't told no. Um, but we just, you know, and even with Michaela Bally, we didn't reach out to the family, but because there's just enough information out there. So um, but with Ben Tyner, um, a high school friend of Ben's reached out to us and, th- and, and thanked us for humanizing his high school friend, like his childhood friend. And, wow. uh, you know, those are the moments where Kate and I sit together and we look and we're like, I think we're on the right path.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, that's how I felt after the, the Ryan series was that the, when I went on iTunes or wherever I was looking at comments, people who would say, you know, I re- not just that they enjoyed listening, but that, you know, it felt like I, I, Got to know Ryan. I was like, okay, well, I did my job then. That's what I, that's, that's all I wanted, you know? And of course, there's always going to be, you know, people who didn't like it and negative stuff, but I, I try yeah. so hard to just ignore that because it's, you know, I like to think it's in the minority <laughs> with what I'm doing. Yeah. So, totally. you know, I mean, yeah. it's, it, it is tough. I mean, that is a, that's a good question to ask too. Like, you know, cause like you said, it hasn't been all glowing reviews because nothing ever is. Like, do you, do you pay attention to the negative stuff or is it just kind of noise for you both?
2: <laughs> well, let me tell you, um, I wish. Wish I could say absolutely no, it doesn't bother me, and I'm like, you know, woke and like look look above that stuff. But no, of course it bothers me. I mean, apparently I have a monotone voice, and I sound like I'm bored, and that's fine. <laughs> Jesus, <Probably wow>. get, <laughs> apparently she doesn't want to be there
0: is one of the reviews. <laughs> and
2: and like, you know what? It's <laughs> harsh. And, but this this brings me to a good point. Being a woman yeah. in mm. the podcast world, it's hard. For some reason, people do not like women as hosts i um i don't know what it is they have a harder time digesting you know female voices uh they are more critical of you know vocal fry or the tone Mm -hmm. um i see a lot of things on 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 reddit or in groups looking for podcasts like hey can you recommend me a podcast with a male host i hate females
0: and all this stuff
2: i'm like whoa Mm -hmm. like uh i mean it it happens and, and i think
0: and I've seen it with like Marissa, with yep. Charlie from uh, mm-hmm. Crime Lines, with uh, with uh, Christy from yep. True, or Canadian True Crime. She, like they all deal with it.
2: Yeah, it's. I I think it's harder to be. I don't know. If, I don't know what it is, but um. Yes, of course, it's hard to ignore negative feedback. I mean, especially when it's when it's something like oh, this wasn't researched well or something like that. It, yeah. When it's when it's like that, we we look at each other and we're like, could we have done something better? But I think, I think the critique is in some ways good because it allows us to, you know, work on our sound production. I mean, we start again, we started this last year. I've never produced anything audio in my life. I've worked in the film industry as an agent. I have no idea what I'm doing. I just... I picked up GarageBand, a couple of Blue Yeti mics, and I was like, "Let's roll."
0: Yeah, they're, if they're gonna criticize Kate's voice or whatever, like what they don't know is that Kate's the one who's recording and editing everything, <laughs> and I'm just sitting there uh, vaping, waiting to say my lines. You know, <laughs> like she's working her ass off to get these episodes um, sounding good, and we well, the learning curve that we've had over the past like twenty something episodes has been, you know, huge.
2: Yeah, I'm. I'm even afraid to go back and listen to our first episode now. Yeah. Uh, I can't do yeah. it. But yeah, I think. I think you know. I mean, negative comments were always going to come. I, I said to him when we started, I'm like, look, we got to be prepared for any kind of feedback that we get. And if and if people have you know negative things to say that are maybe true, like let's not let it get to us and let's make those changes. I I like negative comments sometimes. Like I mean, they're when they're when they're you know. Constructive.
1: That's and yeah. that's what I was going to say. Like, if they're not constructive, then it's just noise. But you know, there is an element when you're first starting. I'm noticing is the constructive ones. There hasn't been many of them, but there's been a few, yeah. and you know, they, they are helpful. And and that is my biggest fear is getting something really wrong and being called out yeah. for it and being like, well, you know, you're you're absolutely right. I, I got that wrong and that's on me. So, um, but yeah, so I didn't mean to interrupt. Go ahead. So no, we, of course.
0: We just co- we covered a case. Um, this one hurt a lot, uh, this negative comment. And I'll tell you why, because we, we, we ventured a little bit, we're finding our voice, right. And we ventured a little bit out of our lane and we covered the death of, uh, of two children. And, um, but the thing is I made sure that we researched, um, everything. We went through the divorce court papers. I found a UBCP or UBC law review, um, uh, paper on that case. And I, and I did a deep dive into again, intimate partner violence and coercive control and stuff. And so we, and we made sure that even with the court documents, we steered away from, um, the, uh, more terrible details of the murder. Um, and so we, we put this thing together and I really felt that we had put together a, a Uh, an episode that was compassionate, but told the truth of the story and highlighted what the problem was. And, uh, and the next day, once we uploaded it, um, we immediately got Uh, a comment on our Instagram from someone who was involved with it who called us out for doing entertainment. And the thing Mm. is, that is like, if you know us, that's not what we do. We don't Mm. do entertainment. And so it was that one hurt. Um, And I, you know, we tried to respond with like, Hey, this isn't what we were doing. Like, and we explained it, but, but the thing is what I, what we needed to understand was that was their point of view at that time. They're very close to that case. It was only, it was only three years ago um, and maybe, you know had we done it had we to do it again maybe we wouldn't have covered that so it's it's a matter of like finding the right time to do certain cases too and that feedback from that person um it did it 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 hurt and it made me you know think twice for sure even though I still stand by what we put out mm-hmm. um i think i don't know if there was a right time to ever cover that particular case
2: well child, uh, child like violence against kids is always going to be something that people either mm-hmm are able to listen to or are completely unable to listen to that. And I, I get that. Um, we put warnings at the beginning of it. I mean, we always put warnings, but like special warnings for like, Hey, this is, this includes violence against children. Yeah. Um, and I don't, I don't know if there is a perfect way to cover a case like that. But And I, and I think even
0: like American podcasters mm-hmm. can get away with it more because there's 350 million of them. Whereas of people in the United States. Whereas like with Canada, there's only 30 something million of us. So these cases are actually generally quite close to home for someone in Canada. It's not just a random shooting in Kansas or something like that. This is like, these are like, oh, you mean that case that happened in, you know, in St. Catharines, Ontario? Yeah, I know my cousin lives there, you know, like people know each other in Canada in a weird way. And I guess,
1: I guess that's kind of too, like a bit of a disadvantage. Um, you know, being a Canadian podcast, and I'm assuming you're, you know, for now just going to cover Canadian cases and content. Um, you know, it, there isn't as an extensive amount of cases as there are in the U.S. just based on population alone. Is that something that – I mean obviously you're just starting out and there's still a lot more cases and and events to cover. But um, is that something that worries you about being a Canadian podcast Is is maybe being limited in some of the choices you can make in terms of content? Um, I I, I don't worry about it too much because I I have –
0: I currently have probably 50 episodes written in my notes on my phone. So I, like wow. not written fully, but like just the titles of the episode. So like I, I feel like there's a lot in Canada actually, which is part of the reason why we wanted to do the podcast because, you know, it's not just uh, Tim Hortons and, and uh, politeness.
2: Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, for me, I'm like, oh, what if we run out of cases? But then I realized how impossible that would be. And I think the advantage to being a Canadian podcast is – these stories like, haven't necessarily been told ad nauseum. You know what I mean? I think a lot of people gravitate towards American crimes because they're just a little bit more
0: sensationalized,
2: sensationalized popular. Um, but, I mean, we have a lot of incredibly messed up cases in Canada that haven't really been told in the same way. So I almost think that that's an advantage. But, again, the disadvantage is... Americans might not care as much to listen to Canadian stories.
1: Yeah. yeah and I think that's probably part of the balancing act um, of being a Canadian podcast is, you know, you want to draw in those U.S. listeners as well. But um, like you said, I think there, there are a lot of Canadian cases that do interest a U.S. audience, um, especially in mm-hmm. the Pacific Northwest. Um, yeah. You know, there seems to be a lot of intrigue around that. Um we're uh we're getting to the end here but i i have to ask this question because i'm curious as a couple who started a podcast what is what has that been like in terms of just um you know has it, i'm sure it's been it's been challenging at times uh you two seem to get along still um you know has it has it been has it been difficult at times i mean we're you know working so closely together and you know you're not it's not like you're dealing with really light content either you're dealing with very heavy yeah. subject matter so i'm wondering if you can tell me about you know what that's been like the last year or so
2: yeah, I mean, I still work twelve hours a day from home uh, at my film industry job. Um, Graham is not currently working full time. Mm-hmm. Love you so much. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, so he's he's actually he actually does most of the the all of the writing and the research, and I just kind of sit down, record, and edit. So that's been nice. Um, there have of of course any 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 time a podcaster has a real job, and then this job that they come home to. It's not even just a hobby. This is a full-time job. And I think that people don't realize how much time a podcast takes. They're like, I'm going to start a podcast. It'll be easy. And then you sit down and you're like, oh my god, this is a lot of work. I have no idea what I'm doing. And like the research alone takes days. The writing takes days. And then the record and edit process for us is like at least eight hours. Um, So I think for me, it's just been like, I don't have time to record today. And then, you know, he gets upset because he wants to record. And I'm like, I just can't. So that's been like the only kind of rift. I mean, I, I think we've done a really good job of uh, saying, maybe not today. Let's do this. You know, we do it on the weekends primarily is when we record. Mm-hmm. Um, but... I, I don't know. I think we, I think we get along well. <laughs> yeah. I think, you know, at first we weren't
0: sure how to delegate the work. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we, we began, you know, uh, cause Kate wrote uh, a couple of the first episodes. We co-wrote two of the first episodes. And then I, it, um, uh, the film industry came back for um, Kate's side of the business, uh, not, not so much for mine. So I had more time. And so um, I, I, I just kind of fell into that research writing mode, which is, which is okay. Cause I actually really like that. Um, It's interesting as a couple, though, because we will be, um, you know, getting dinner ready or (laughs) or feeding the cats. And then I'll just be like, hey, I'm thinking about covering this case of a missing person from Prince George. And I'll just like start talking about the case and what I've learned so far. And then Kate kind of gives me a nod or like or lets me know, like, you know, what about this or what you know, what are we trying to show with that case or what are we what's the message we're trying to get across? Like, you know, I might want to cover, you know, the case of, uh, you know, a violent crime that happened in Ontario. But the reason why I want to cover it is because the person only got seven years. You know, that's like the sentencing is really what I want to talk about. Um, so we just kind of deb- not debate, but we discuss back and forth as to like which cases we do cover. Um, so that's been split relatively, uh, evenly, or at least I, I make sure I get the okay from Kate before I dive headlong into a case.
2: Yeah. Um, Yeah. I I think at the beginning of the pandemic, it gave us something to do together, like a creative, like God, last year was really hard. We spent a lot of time in the apartment doing absolutely nothing and just staring at each other being like, are we going to die? Yeah. Um, you know, like what, what's happening? And then all of a sudden we got this creative project that we could work on together and it was super healthy. Um, And it's, I mean, it's still, it's still healthy. I mean, obviously we're busier now with it, um, and with work and stuff. So it's been, it's just been, um, a learning curve on how to balance life and then also a podcast.
0: Yeah. And the the other thing too, is being able to have that because we are dealing with like you know, challenging subject matter mm-hmm. or whatever. And we can sort of debrief that together. The other night I was finishing up a script and, and you know, and Kate came in the office and she's like, you know, you okay? And I'm like, I'm actually kind of really upset about what I just made. Um, And she's like, well, why, you know? And I said, well, you know, this really random act of kindness came out of this horrible, horrible case. And I just want to talk about it. And then we just talked about it. And then we, you know, at least I had her to sort of debrief with about like the emotions I was feeling from having written, you know, this horrendous, like real life situation that people are going through. Right. Yeah.
2: I feel like that might be something that single host podcasters don't really get to do. Like they're, they're kind of stuck with this, there is after trauma. I don't yeah, think audiences necessarily realize that like the secondhand trauma that um, podcast hosts go, go through. I mean, we have to talk to actual human beings that are ripped to shreds by this horrible traumatic event that happened in their life and their lives are flipped upside down and we have to talk to them and you know, make sure we're telling their stories in a compassionate factual way. But, you know, you're hearing this mother crying on the phone. She's like, I'm really sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm really emotional. And you're like, please don't say sorry. And we have to sit with that at the end of the day. And, you know, we have all – Graham is researching uh, until four in the morning next to me in bed sometimes because he's just deep into court documents and whatnot. And he's reading horrible, gruesome stories of, of murder. And um, there's only so much – of that you can take before you're like, I think this might be impacting me mentally. Yeah. And that's right. yeah. And that's, so that's like the, definitely a
0: positive of being a couple who, who work on this together. Uh, and then the, you know, the one other thing I will say is like, with regards to the workload, one day I just woke up and decided that we, cause we were a once every two, we released every two weeks, right? That was our, that was a schedule that we agreed upon that was doable. Um, that way, if we got busy with life, we still thought we could keep up with the every two weeks thing. And then randomly I woke up and I'm like, I'm going to start doing TNTC shorts. We're going to release an episode every week. <laughs> and you know, like there, you know, like I just, I literally doubled our workload, uh, without really talking about it. I'm like, this is just something I'm going to do. Here's the positives. And it's I did eight minutes long. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. And now it's like every weekend we're like, let's go for a hike. And I'm like, well, we got to record. <laughs> you know? So, you know, it's like, uh, you know. Two two brains working uh, at the same time on this podcast can sometimes uh, um, overcomplicate things like I did with TNTC Shorts, um, but I I still
1: stand by it. (laughs) well i think it's great i I love the shorts and i love the full-length episodes um yeah and i think weekly is obviously if you can do it is the way to go um i've been kind of doing weekly with these interlude interviews leading up to season two and i'm like i don't think i'll be doing this again because it's 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 been it's you know it's a lot more work than it's it's always a lot more work than you think it's going to be until you start doing it and you're like oh yeah this is you know this this, this is a lot but uh i absolutely love it i love the podcast and i want to thank you both so much for coming on the show um it was a pleasure chatting with you, and I, I can't wait to see um, you know, what you cover and what you do in the future.
2: Thank you so much for having us. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you, and thank you for listening to True North True Crime.
1: I hope you enjoyed my conversation with the hosts of the True North True Crime podcast. You can check out their podcast at the link in the description. If you haven't checked out my Patreon page, please do, and consider supporting the podcast. If you're already supporting me, thank you. As always, thanks for listening to the Missing and Unexplained podcast with me, Tyler Hooper. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino
0: from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget?